Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me today to look back on Saturday's win at East End Park, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Matt. Um, as always, looking forward to discussing that, another Partick Thistle one. Heather Holloway is here. Heather, how are you? Yeah, great, thanks Matt. Absolutely buzzing for Partick Thistle to be the kings of Fife this week and uh, lording that over a few of my colleagues and things. Yeah, it's good to be a Thistle fan at the moment. And rounding off our panel with David Forrest. David, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, I could I could be kind of fair one. So yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, we'll start as we always do with a look at the, the starting 11 and we mentioned last week that we might see some changes after defeat to Wraith, but we didn't. We stuck with an unchanged starting 11, which meant Stuart Bannigan remained on the bench, which I think was maybe the biggest surprise. Reese, since it's the last weekly pod of the year, and I've, I've, I've taken you away from, from this question for the last few weeks, I'll bring it back to you. Were you, were you happy with that team when you saw it on Saturday? Of course, of course. I, I'm always ready to answer this question, even when you don't come to me. It's always on the tip of my tongue. But um, no, I was, I was happy with the team. Um, of course, the only sort of eyebrow raising omission was was Bannigan sat on the bench, but um, I don't think there can be be too many complaints. You know, the, the starting eleven done a relatively decent job in in Kirkcaldy the week previously. You know, we scored three goals, a bit leaky at the other end, but I, there wasn't too many surprises. And obviously, um, Bannigan seemed to be still recovering from the illness that he suffered, and uh, I think that uh, Dunfermline also had a bit of a, an illness. In, in their camp during the week as well. I know that James McCake called a, a Thursday training session off just to prevent the, the bug from spreading through the team. And, and likewise, they had a couple of omissions from their matchday squad as well. So we benefited benefited in that way. And hopefully now bands will be back up to speed uh, moving forward. But I starting 11, no too many complaints. Obviously, I think if Bannigan is fully fit, he probably does come back into the team. But I think where we benefit from that is, and definitely on Saturday, is the hype from set pieces. Because... Blair Olsen, who you'd probably say is the, the candidate to drop out if Bannigan does come in, is what, maybe six inches taller than Bannigan? And not that Olsen himself is, is an aerial threat, because we've not seen it too much yet, but he, he'll draw a, a, a large defender to mark him where Bannigan might not, and that frees up guys like Graham and Milne to attack corners, and we, we reap the rewards from that on, on Saturday. So that's maybe one to keep an eye on when Bannigan is back. David, I'll come to you first for some analysis and the performance. Do you think we were good value for the three points on Saturday? It was an odd one. I, I say the game overall, I didn't actually particularly enjoy that much. I think we talked about it off, off the air before. I, I don't think we were especially bad. We weren't absolutely sparkling, but it was a fairly easy game for us. Dunfermline didn't really threaten us that much. We absolutely coasted the first half. It got a bit more edgy when they got back into it. And I think because, you know, we mentioned about 
it's an away game. It's sort of close to Christmas. It's not as many people going. It's a bit cold. And it wasn't... I mean, like, I think if the game is at Far Hill, it's a completely different atmosphere than it was there. And I think as well because they were shooting at the other end. I think we were perfectly fine. I've seen us play better. I've seen us play far worse. And I think I think we did hold our own very well um, when it went to one to make sure that we clung on because as Fistle fans, it's endemic where you just think, Christ, we're going to absolutely, you know, mess this one up. And we didn't. And that was really good. And again, it's East End Park. It's a place that's had a lot of bad days for us. We've not been particularly good with fans in there in a long, long time. So I, I would say... I would say I was happy with the performance, but I don't say I enjoyed it particularly. It was, it's one of those odd games. Heather, what about you? What was your assessment of Saturday's game and performance? We really took our chances when, when, when we had them. And I think the first half, we were definitely dominant and very attacking. I think it was a very different second half that we saw with very limited chances. And it just felt like we sat back and invited the pressure, which I'm just not quite sure we're good enough to do and I don't know if potentially a better team would have picked us apart more quickly than than they did and I was very worried when after they after they scored that goal but I mean I actually missed the first goal so I will um I can't really I've watched it back and what a fantastic run jump from Harry Milne and then it's great to see us scoring from set pieces and um and actually being a bit of a threat when we get them I feel like this year so far that's somewhere where we've really struggled where in the past and we've had people like Liam Lindsay, Conor Beltoni we've been able to use those to our advantage and obviously Kyle Turner last year was such a great delivery but um it was good to see that happening again it was quite a tough watch I agree with David it wasn't like an enjoyable an enjoyable game in that second half especially was brutal but I would have been really disappointed if we'd if we dropped points there because we did look the better team the more attacking the, the more creative it was just tough scenes in the second half. Reese, what about you? Do you think we deserve three points and do you want to pick a few names out to give a bit of individual praise to? I would say so I um, I definitely think we're well worth the three points like the guys have said it wasn't the prettiest of games but we, we certainly took our opportunities in the first half and, and like Heather mentioned, it was really pleasing to see us starting to score from corner kicks. It's an issue that's been, been the case for as long as I can remember going to games that how many times do you see us have a corner in a game that hits the first man or ultimately it gets cleared and it happens obviously more often than not but that's sort of three times in recent weeks, obviously twice at the weekend there and Enrico Diaz against Erdre scoring from corners. So that's it's definitely an asset that can be used and I'm glad to see we've been able to do that a bit more you know it's, it's tough when you lose a guy like we we'll lose two guys like Kyle Turner with a great delivery and, and Kevin Holt who's so good in the such an aerial threat in the box so uh, it's good that we've been able to to score a few of them recently like, like Heather said as well like Harry Milne said that was just brilliant um it just completely outmuscled his opposite number and and the, the header was brilliant. It always looks better when it comes off the bar and, and into the net. It just looks like he's bulleted it right in. So in terms of individual performances, guys, I'd like to single out, obviously, Harry Milne. I think he's, he's coming for a, a slight bit of criticism this season. He's maybe not reached the heights that he did at the beginning of last season. And, and last season in general, obviously, he was named in the team of the year. He's had a bit of a slow start this year, but I still think that he's, he has been, he's been very good. And that game there was probably one of his best in a Thistle jersey. Obviously, scored the goal and... I think he actually can take the assist for the second one, knocking it on to Graham. So, and I think equally, he was he was really good at the back. He won a lot of slide tackles, and he was he was solid. He made a there was one one instance in the 
the second half where Dunfermline put the ball in the box. It looks like Matty, Matty Todd got a toe on it. And I think it's probably head and goal bound, but it came off Milne's chest. Just stuff like that. That If he's not there then and not following that run, then that's probably a goal to Dunfermline and the game's different. Um, so I, I'd, I'd probably say Harry Milne was my man in the match, um, closely followed by Ben Stanway, who I think he's just grown in confidence every week. It's, he's a terrific player. And I love I love players like that, guys that just have, obviously have bundles of ability. You see with the sort of passing range and whatnot, but just he's got that dog, that tenacity in him that he just you don't really find too often with young players and it's not something that you can really coach into people. If you, It's just, it's almost like a personality thing with, with players, if that makes sense, you know, and, and he's got that in abundance and he's, obviously it's tough to, to follow in, in Ross Docherty's boots, but I think that Ben Stanley's doing a decent enough job at that and who knows, there may be some reinforcements coming in in January, but Stanway's has done himself no harm with the performance he's put in this season and, and at the moment he's, he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet so I thought it was another a very good showing from Stanway again Harry Milne was excellent and it's nice to see you know it's not not too often that we can hold on to like these leads like we've seen even the week before when Rafe Rovers had that fight back and but it's good that the defence stood strong and obviously I don't, I don't think Sneddon covered himself in glory in, in Kirkcaldy but I think he was very good at the weekend there he made a, one terrific save from Matty Todd again in the second half um, so yeah Snedden also deserves a bit of praise but it was a good team performance all round we say this every time whenever we get a win there's never really too many people that you can sort of pick apart so aye, a good team win and, and we showed great character to hang on Yeah I certainly agree that I thought Milne and, and Stanway were the, the the best two Thistle performers on Saturdays I'm maybe going to make a point that's that's too deep for a, a 2-1 win over Dunfermline and December that might not be the most consequential come the end of the season but I think like in society now especially with social media there seems to be a sort of need to brand everything as like amazing or total shite and there's a lot of criticism online after the game especially for the second half is oh we were so lucky there we hung on that was total rubbish and it wasn't amazing and it wasn't total shite it was just like fine basically and it's really hard to come online and like we are guilty of it in the podcast as well we do it all the time but it's hard to sort of come away with a take from a game and just say oh, yeah, that was that was quite good and I think quite good is, is what it was I think when your standout performers are a fullback a holding midfielder and a goalkeeper that's it's, it's solid what we have done well under Jordan. What's been eye-catching is like Aidan Fitzpatrick, the overlaps from McMillan down Lawless's flank, and none of that really clicked on Saturday, but nobody had a bad game. Just nothing really clicked that was sort of like a, a moment of flair, a moment of, of magic, something that would get you off your seat. We've mentioned the set pieces. We were obviously very strong from them on, on Saturday. What also impressed me was, I think, in the last wee while, we've sometimes struggled when we've come up against back threes. I think Dunfermline obviously tried to build out from the back with a back three, and I think when we've, I, I think back to the Airdrie away game, we really struggled in the press there. Sometimes we struggle with, I think the wing backs as well, whose responsibility is it to pick them up. But I thought our press on Saturday was really good, and Dunfermline's wing backs were were nullified for most of the game. And I think things like that, that is really unglamorous to come onto a podcast and say, yeah, we pressed our back three well, and yeah, we nullified our wing backs well. Obviously, we'd much rather be coming on and go, wow, wasn't Aidan Fitzpatrick great when he skinned four guys? Oh, wow, wasn't Lawless great when he scored from 30 yards? It wasn't that type of game. But we did all the things you need to do to win the, the scrappy games really well. And, you, and as we've all said, it wasn't glamorous, but I, I thought it was I thought it was a justified three points. David? 
It's an interesting point that you make about this being a very um, forgetful, you know, a just a just fine game with little to comment on. But it does make me think. Obviously, we're doing the Christmas pod after this. We're talking about old games, and I guarantee you, in about five six years, we'll have some sort of can concept for the pod or whatever where this game will come up and we'll talk about um, how great Harry Milne was and Brian Graham's goal and what a day out this was and all that we'll totally forget that actually wasn't that good um, it's just a 2-1 win when we are uh, on route to the title <laughs> I think maybe as well it's part of the reason it wasn't so good is we've spoken about this before as well a lot of our wins under Chris Jones have been by three or four goals to a lesser extent in recent weeks, because we've scraped by Martin at home, we've scraped by Erdrey at home. So we are beginning to grind these games out, but for the first few months of Doolan's reign, nearly all of his wins were like emphatic three or four goal wins. So maybe it's just a, a case of fans turning up expecting that, and maybe this is us sort of regressing to the mean a little bit. And I've said this for, for a wee while now, I think we probably are the third best team in the league. I think there's a, a wee gap between us and Wraith and Dundee United, but then looking back the other way, I think we are a little bit clear of of the chasing pack and I, I hope it doesn't fizzle out but I can maybe see this season fizzling out a little bit for us in the sense that we might be quite comfortable in third and that would be a good result considering where we were at the start of the season but it might not be the most exciting next four or five months that remains to be seen and um, Heather is there anyone else individually you'd like to shout out from Saturday? I know um, we talk about him quite a lot, but I thought that Ian Fitzpatrick's control of the game, his ability to be able to move the ball around to find players and um, and to attack. I mean, I think he's the difference in the player that he even was this time last year is just is just fantastic. And we've spoken before about the you know the run that he's been on since the playoffs, and it's 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 just very exciting to see and. Um, you know, the passion that was there from him. It was obviously maybe one of his quieter games, but he was certainly pivotal and um, and he's such an important player for us. I actually want to shout out one of our subs. I thought when Masiri came on, he really did um he really did the job that he was told to, which was, you know, support the back line, <laughs> take the ball into the corner, even if it was a little bit too early. But um, and just to support Jack McMillan and um, and just keep you know bodies on the line. Let's protect. Let's win this game. And I, I mean, I, you totally understand it. He must be quite disappointed to not be back in the starting team after the games that he had in the side. But just to see the fact that he was so you know raring to go, full of energy and and just ready to prove himself straight away. There was less of that kind of worry or the kind of the the gasp or the sigh when Rosiri gets the ball. That seems to kind of been hopefully something from the past. And um and I thought you know when he came on you could just tell he was hungry and 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 ready to prove himself and why he deserves to, to you know to still be in this team. Um and I think I think that is something that should really be commended because. We know, like, from watching things like Match the Day and all that, and seeing, you know, big team football, some some players can be prima donnas, and it's good to see that that we don't seem to have that problem. Definitely, I think that the squad is going to be an important factor going into the the second half of the season, especially in the next couple of weeks when we might see a couple of players get recalled from loans, and we might see a slightly thinner match day squad until we can do some business of our own. So if guys like Williams and, and Diak as well and other substitutes can sort of step up, that's that's going to be very important. 
Rhys, I'll come to you with the first listener question. Dave Donnelly has asked who we think is going to win the league. There was the, obviously the big game in the championship was at Tannadice at the weekend and Wraith Rovers won that 1-0 and I believe they're five points clear now at the top of the league. So I'll ask you firstly, Dave's question, who do you think will win the league? And then I'll ask you a follow-up. Who would you rather play in the playoffs if, if we do get there at the end of the season? Of course, it is a tough question. Obviously, there's so much foot, football to be played, and it's it's, it's even a, a tough one to speculate on. But right now, if you if you give me a, a gun to my head and ask me who I think would win the league, I would still have to back Dundee United um, out of out of them and Rafe. Um, the reason being, I just think they they probably do have a. A better start eleven now. I think Rafe Rovers have a couple of players, couple of forward players that might actually have. They might actually have a better forward line than Dundee United when you when you look at them together side by side. But you know, Dundee United's defence is is far better than Rafe Rovers. And you know what people say: attackers win you games, but defences win you league titles. And I do think that Dundee United do have a better back line. Um, so that being said, I think. They probably will see it over the line, and you know we've we've all spoke about it. everyone spoke about Rafe Rovers' luck, um, and will it come to an end at some point? And now you have to think they can go on like that for the full season. It's it's crazy that they've got this far, but you just think at some point that will um, come to an end, or they they will the luck will run out. Um, so with that being factored in, if you're asking me who I would rather play out the two in the playoffs, I'd rather be joined by Rafe Rovers. Now the reason being, like I say, I do think Rafe have a have a great team. And a great forward line. Um, and it might sound daft considering we've, we've already beat Dundee United, albeit in the Betfred Cup. We have beat Dundee United this season, but we've not beat Rafe. My thinking behind would rather be playing Rafe as we have scored five goals against them. Um, so they, they definitely can be got at, which we just need to work on our defending. Um, whereas Dundee United, you know, that day they came to Far Hill, they're, they're, a, they're a completely different team from when we played them in the Betfred Cup and they annihilated us that day. I've not seen a team tear us apart like that for, for many a year. You know, guys like Docker and Holt, they clearly had a point to prove that day and I think the two of them were, were the the two best players in the park. So aye, done the United they, they've got a they've got a brilliant team and when they turn it on there's there's nobody that can live with them to be honest. So um and I just think like you know their fan base over two legs go to Tanadice and and a playoff that would be really tough. They'd bring a massive away travelling. So I with all things considered, I would rather have Wraith Rovers in second place. Or in the playoffs with us, I'd rather us be second. David, do you got any thoughts on this? Um, well, I mean, if you said to me, would you like a play, to play a team in the playoff featuring both uh, Ross Doherty and Kevin Holt? I'd be like, absolutely, they're guaranteed to fuck it up. But um, there seems to be a, a model um, in the championship every year of you have team, basically your premiership team, your your, your bad premiership team from the year before, rebuilding. They never run away with it. Kilmarnock and Dundee both limped to the line. Um, essentially, they left it quite late. I mean, Dundee and Cupy went to the last day, but um, like Kilmarnock and our both of, was that not like the second last game of the season? It was like only like two or three games before the end of the season. And realistically, every year will be if the if this team have their head screwed on, they'll be out of sight by like April, and they'll have won the league. And they don't. And but there's always another surprise team. Now, like QP or Arbroath, who come along, give them a good title challenge. I, I, I think that I think that the issue for 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 us is that basically Rafe will be here. I don't I don't 
I don't see. I, I much like Reese says. I, I cannot see it lasting the whole season. Much like we couldn't see our growth or QP lasting the whole season. They'll give it a good shake. At some point, there'll be that confidence denting loss, and then eventually Dundee United will maybe get to it. And then you know, uh, I, I I see that Dundee United's might will show at some point and they'll build themselves back in to second place behind us. Probably take Dundee United purely because I feel that I think the Rafe would be more likely to go up in the playoffs than Dundee United. Then Dundee United have famously collapsed a few times in the playoffs and even though they've got a big back and that big support, it's it is one of those where all the pressure's on them because they ha- they have to go up there Dundee United. They they're the big team who shouldn't be here for more than one season. They have to go up. I'd probably take Dundee United over Rafe, but I think it will be Dundee United that will be ahead of Rafe. But I mean, we're sixty-six percent confident that we're going to win the title, so it doesn't matter. I, I definitely agree with you, David. There, there seems to be a, a little trend going at the moment of, as you say, rebuilding teams coming down from the Premier League. I don't know if I would put Rafe in the same category as or both in Queens Park, though, because I think both of those teams were were sort of genuine surprise title contenders. I think Queen's Park maybe to a lesser extent than our growth. But I think Wraith, I, I'm not too surprised by the start they've made. And to be honest, I, I, at this point of the season, I may be just leaning towards thinking they might go on and win the league. And I've got a couple of reasons why. I think I said this at the start of the season. I'm not a huge fan, believer, whatever term you want to use, of, of Jim Goodwin as a manager. I don't. He's obviously been at a, a few clubs now and done sort of okay at, well, okay at Aloha and St Mirren, probably well there, and then not so well at all at Aberdeen and the jury's still out at Dundee United. And I, I made this point before the season started that I think Jim Goodwin is is good at setting a team up when they're not expected to win because I think that's where he got the success at Aloha, where he got the success at St Mirren. And then when he manages teams who are expected to be in the front foot like Aberdeen and like Dundee United this season, Perhaps that's not in his wheelhouse. And I look back to two seasons ago when when Kilmarnock were down, David, and Dundee United starts sort of reminding me of them. Like it's sort of solid but not spectacular. And what they did in the second half of the season was they sacked Tommy Wright, Derek McInnes came in, and they they signed Kyle Laffer, and that was really the difference for them. They did a really strong end to the season, and they they pipped or broke the league, as you said, in the in the second last day of the season. And then they stretched well clear of us because we were right in amongst it at one point as well. If Dundee United did something like that, which I think is well within their sort of financial capabilities, I'd maybe go back to them. But if, if things just played out like they did, I look at Dundee United's squad and I, I think their start living is, is good, but maybe the depth isn't there. And Wraith, we, we talk about teams just sort of riding crests of, of waves and things like that. They're definitely doing that at the moment and they're five points clear now. And if they go much further clear, they, they, they can afford these couple of confidence denting defeats that, that you talked about, David. So I'm, I'm probably 60-40 to I think Wraith might do it this season, subject to um, big January signs or managerial changes. In terms of who I'd like to play in the playoffs, though, I think I would disagree with you, David, because I think if we got Dundee United in the playoffs, I, I, I would hate that. I think that's worst-case scenario. Can't see anything good coming of that. But I think if we got Wraith now, it would be similar to maybe Queen's Park last season where they were so geared for going for a title fight. By the time they got into the playoffs, they were they were spent and that might benefit us in the end if we're looking months and months down the line now. But I think I would definitely rather Wraith in the playoffs than Dundee United. And maybe this is counterintuitive. I'm, I'm probably leaning towards thinking Wraith will 
might pip United to the league. I think it's an interesting point you make about that because I mean I think the thing for like QP and Arbrofit is it, that was their team of a lifetime. Like I, I don't think they'll have. It's very unlikely that Arbroath or, or or QP are going to have a team with a better chance. So, certainly Arbroath, but QP certainly in the next couple of years, where that that was the very top for them. They had to do it, and then that was them. I feel that. For Rafe, this is the start of a project that's maybe similar to like Kelty and Cove, where in League Two when they came in and it was kind of a it's a project, it's consolidation, it's building ourselves as a team in the 42, and then going on to win League Two and going into League One and going oh God right okay we we kind of progressed a bit further and the same with QP to be honest um in terms of going from League One to the Championship um originally but. When that run done, when that run finished, they they have kind of plummeted off, and it, it's hard to say where they will be. We don't see them being in a title hunt. I think Reef will be in title hunts in the next couple of years, and I think this project that, that's happening is 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 going to bear fruit for them in terms of, you know, they're going to have consistently good sides. I feel that, or you know, around about you know this sort of playoff title discussion for a couple of years, just because of the money that's going in. Whereas with QP and Arbroath, it was once that was done, that was done, and I, I don't know. I just don't. It, it's just it's an odd one. We'll have a look at our next game then, and it's the the last home game of the year, the last league game before Christmas. We're playing Inverness at Firhill on Saturday. Heather, I'll come to you first. What sort of game are you expecting on Saturday? And I'll also ask for a score prediction from you. You correctly predicted a 2-1 win. I believe that's your, your first correct score prediction of the season and you're off the bottom of the, the draw, loser, draw predictions table. It's absolutely fantastic to um, to be off the bottom. Uh, as, a, as a Thistle fan, you know, when, when victories come, you have to celebrate them like, like they're your last. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing Inverness. They've had a bit of a mixed bag over the last wee while. Obviously, Duncan Ferguson coming in. We haven't played them since that's happened. They had a bit of a new manager bounce, but then not had such a positive December as they had November. It'll be it'll be a it'll be a tough game, always is. And I think they'll be they're they're fighting for their lives, really. You know, they're they're eighth at the moment and um and very close to the bottom. So um I think it'll be you I know you're maybe not hitting panic stations yet in before Christmas, but I think it'll be a good game. I hope that we have got the will that we'll be attacking when we when we go forward and um that we will be able to kill off any of their um advances. I'm gonna go with a three 0 Thistle win. Uh, I feel like Christmas is gonna come early for for us as Thistle fans and um and we're gonna and we're gonna score a few goals like we often do it for Hill under Chris Dillon and yeah, feeling confident doing that one for me. That would continue a trend of pretty emphatic home victories over Inverness. Reese, are you going to top three now? I like like Heather said, it's always difficult when you play Inverness. You know, even when they're in the sort of a bad spell or they're going through a hard time, they always do put up a fight and they're they're sort of a an awkward customer. Um, you never really know what you're they're going to get from them. But I was I was having a look there as well and. We're playing them on the 24th of December and it'll be exactly one year since we, we put five past them at Fur Hill. I think Aidan Fitzpatrick was, was sort of showing signs of getting back to the level we all knew he could get at, at that, that time and, and he was brilliant that night. Um, I think we, we wore sort of the, the retro, the 12-13 the throwback kit. So uh, that was a, a good night and it's funny how it's going to work out exactly a year since we um, 
a year from that date that we beat them. We're playing them again, so it'd be nice if we had a similar scoreline. I'd, I'd bite your hand off for 5-1 now, but um, I'm going to knock a couple of goals off that and I'll say a 3-1 win for Thistle. I, I do think they are a change side under Duncan Ferguson, but I think we, we might get the better of them at Firhill, so we'll go 3-1. David? I seem to remember this game last year. You asked me for a score prediction. I went festive cheer around for Hill 5-1. And then, sure enough, it came in. I think it's the only time I've correctly predicted a scoreline on here. Um, So, you know, double or nothing, 5-1 again. It would be some laugh. I admire the optimism. I'm going to go 2-0. I don't think I've backed us to keep many clean sheets this season, but I thought we we looked a bit more solid on on Saturday there at Dunfermline. And I think... At home, we will hopefully play a little bit better with the ball, and I'm going to back us to go for a 2-0 win. I'm going to ask you all what we've just mentioned. We've got the game on the 23rd. Boxing Day football isn't really a tradition up here like it is down in England. Do we do we wish it was? Do we like just keeping to the Saturdays? Uh, I don't know what this is. Maybe a chance for me to ask you what your plans are from Boxing Day, and would you rather be at for Hill or uh, another Scottish Championship ground and go around to your in-laws or something? Uh, David, I'll start with you. Well, it's curious you mention that because I um, I, I love boxing day football. They, they, they generally only had it in the Premiership. So it used to be when we got relegated, I think it came in the year after we got relegated. But every boxing day, I would go see either Motherwell or Hamilton Ackies when they were in the Premiership because it's quite close to my house. The bus is quite easy to get to. Uh, and I really I really enjoy going to uh, you know Fir Park or even your Douglas Park on Boxing Day. It's always a good atmosphere. This year it's um, the only Premier League game on is uh, Dundee versus Celtic, so I will not be going to Dens Park for that. Um, there's a couple of games in the Lone League, so if you fancy East Kilbride versus Albion Rovers, Matt, I know you'll love East Kilbride FC. Um, we could go to that. Um, but no, it's a good um, job I've got a red and yellow scarf, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I love boxing day football, and yeah, it's always it's always good to get because it's just sort of that everyone's in a, in a joyous mood after after Christmas, people meeting their pals and talking about their Christmases and what they got for Christmas and all that. It's great fun. It's always a very jovial atmosphere. So no, I do love boxing day, but I enjoy going elsewhere on boxing day. So I'm quite happy with the 24th because it's the Friday before Christmas. And everyone, you know, it's kind of the the last hurrah before you head back to, you know, if you're going up to see your family or something like that, or basically your last night out before Christmas, usually. So, no, I do really enjoy it. Yeah, I think I'd like a a Boxing Day game as well. I'm guessing the reason that we don't have one is, or the lower leagues don't have one, is just the part-time player aspect, which I think is totally fair enough. I don't think we're we're calling on part-time players to give up their boxing days every year from here on in, but yeah, I think it is a a nice thing to have. We've had a few boxing day games in in the past that have been, in in Perth, we had one in lockdown, we had a few in person that have been sort of enjoyable. And yeah, I think if we did get promoted, I think that'd be one of the things I would enjoy going back to. Heather, Arisa, I don't know if you've got any more thoughts on that. Yeah, so I, I've not got too many thoughts on it. Um, I, I, as you guys have said, I'd, I would quite like a, a Boxing Day game. It's got, it just has that feeling that, that Boxing Day is meant for football. Um, normally on, on Boxing Day, like I have Christmas dinner at my house on the, on Christmas Day, um, and then on Boxing Day I would have like a, a second Christmas dinner with like my my grand, we go to my grand's house basically. Um, but the good thing is we always have stick on the the 
Premier League football because I think that that's one of the days that um, Amazon Prime have and I think they have just about every game basically so you got your pick of the bunch whatever game you want to watch really but I, I almost get jealous of, see whenever like Fissel are playing a Friday night and then it comes down to the Saturday and we don't have a game even though we played the night before I'm jealous that we don't have a game to go to and I kind of get like that on Boxing Day I just get that wee angst feeling that oh, I wish I was at for how I wish I was seeing Thistle play today but the, the festive period in general is, is good um, you know you get the the game just before Christmas, you get a game a couple of days after Christmas, and it's funny because you look at the fixture schedule and you're like, we got a Wednesday game at like three p.m. and stuff like the days. It just the days just merge into one another, and you're about ten advent calendars deep in selection boxes and whatnot. So, I uh, you end up turning it air bomb. You don't know what day it is anyway, so you can't complain too much. Yeah. Yeah, I like the twenty third game. I think it's a nice way to kind of like wish everyone from the football that you like to see like Merry Christmas before before it starts and I think people who do have bigger families or maybe like a kind of family commitment for Boxing Day who maybe wouldn't be able to get to the game I think the 23rd that's like you know that's Christmas Eve Eve as they would say on Friends and that's not that's normally a bit more free for people than Boxing Day. I agree with Reese, like I love watching um the, the like the ones on the TV and stuff and enjoying that and you know living through but um no I've always really enjoyed the last few games like obviously the 5-1 game last season against Inverness was absolutely unreal and I had so many of my friends who were like back from like so many of my friends in Glasgow like moved to London and Derby and everything and my best friend Alfie he now lives in Dubai and that's not like this like normally the game that we get to go to together so that was so special so I'm really hoping he gets the win on Saturday as well but yeah I, lo- I love the 23rd game I think it's it's a it's a great way for so many people who you know kind of come back to Glasgow for that that holiday game and they and um, it's often special. There you go, David. I was going to say the Amazon. Uh, it's interesting to mention about the Amazon one because is Boxing Day not the one where they just have like a, like a half twelve kickoff all the way through to like half nine at night. You can get like yep. you can cram in like ten hours of football in there. That's yep. always really good fun as well if if you do that. I, I was just going to say that as well, David. I, I know, like, um, thinking that football is a sort of TV sport is, a, is not a, a very good opinion to have, and I don't think that at all, but I'm, I'm willing to believe it for, for Boxing Day and Boxing Day only. Uh, my in-laws are coming round and I'm making a curry for them in the, the new slow cooker, so while that's cooking, we'll have... I'm sure it'll be John Champion and Ali McCoyst on uh, one of the games. And I remember a tweet, maybe like in the early days of Twitter, and it was like Real Ferdinand sort of whining about, oh, spare a thought for us footballers who are having to spend uh, Christmas Day, the evening of Christmas Day in a hotel room. And he basically just got piled on. He was like, you're on 125 grand a week. Like, it's barely a sacrifice, really, is it, in the grand scheme of things? And I, I keep thinking about that, and I'm very happy for all of these elite end Premier League footballers to, to make this sacrifice for us on Boxing Day uh, and let the part-time players in the Scottish Lower Leagues have, have Boxing Day off and we will enjoy football as a TV sport for one day only. Uh, David, do you want to have a, a word on uh, the Draw Loser Draw and Jags for Good Quiz last week which raised £1,000 for Glasgow Northwest West Food Bank? Yeah, uh, a really great fun um, event. Uh, I I came third, um, and it, w- it was good to see Matt Wallace cruelly snubbed again in second place uh, by uh, is it Mahid Spuzzled? Sure the, is, yeah, yeah uh, the, you know it's title town over there at that table. Um, they just can't stop winning. Um, but yeah, it was a really good fun quiz. My wife got to come as well. She loves a pub quiz, and she doesn't really ever meet any thistle 
people outside of you and maybe one or two other people. So she just really enjoyed meeting you know, all the festival fans that I see on a week-to-week basis, all the, all the names she's heard of but didn't act, doesn't actually see very often, like like Heather. But there was one of the questions that only I get right, and I think that's that's better than a win, to be honest. So, no, a great a great effort from everyone. They've raised a lot of money and a great night out, and, yeah, hopefully do some more in the future. You can contest that title of is it better to get the, be the only person to get a question right with Emma Heed's puzzle? Is that better than actually winning the quiz itself? That's maybe up for debate. But yeah, as you said, it was a great night. Yeah, thank you very much to everybody who came along. As I said, a thousand pound raised for Glasgow Northwest Food Bank through uh, entry fees, raffle money, and I think we raised nine hundred and forty pounds on the night, and that was topped up to a thousand by the Jags Foundation. So thank you to them for doing that. And thank you again to the, the Three Cross for hosting us and to Neil for, for organising the venue. And we hope to do another one in 2024, if there's still a bit of demand there for it. Purchase Thistle then, last Purchase Thistle of 2023. I'm going to ask you all, who would be the worst Thistle player to get in the Secret Santa and what would you get them? Heather, I'll start with you. Um, I think the worst person to get potentially would be Stuart Bannigan. Because I think he famously only, he likes things that are orange. And I feel that's quite, you know, or like he only like he only eats things that are orange, something like that. I can't remember quite what the, like the joke is there. But I feel like that's quite um, limiting. And I, and it's always rubbish when you get someone in Secret Santa who who, ha, who has their limits. And you, you, you can't, like, you know, the, the, pool, the pool is small. So, um yeah, I'd be I'd be kind of gutted to get Stuart Bannigan. Oh, what's the what's the price range? Like, are we a five pound team? Or are we uh, ten pounds? I'd say I'd say twenty. Could you not just buy him like ten chocolate oranges? Well, that's exactly what I was gonna. I was gonna be like a series chocolate orange, like for like for every day of the year or something like that. Um, but I guess that I guess they're technically not orange, are they? Um, I don't know, like a crate of Lucasaid. So yeah, I'm struggling here. I wish I knew this about Stuart Barrington before we had him on the pod. I'd love to ask him about his dietary requirements uh, and if he only eats orange things. That's that's interesting. Uh, Reese, who would you least like to get in the Thistle squad? What would you get them? I try to have a good think about this. Um, and I, I wasn't too sure, to be honest. So I was trying to think. Um, and I reckon I could probably do a decent job with most of the squad. You know, you can only... You can't really go wrong with a secret Santa. You can always get something to, to put a smile on your face. Um, one that I think I would struggle with would be Tommy Adderloy. I, f- I feel like we don't know too much about him. And just his demeanour in general, now, it just just doesn't ever seem to be a smiley guy. He, doesn't, he never appears to be too happy about anything, to be honest. But I just think that's the, the personality of the guy. Um, so I, I, I would be pretty, pretty annoyed to, to pull his name in a hat and... I, what would I get? Adeloy? I don't know. Uh, he seemed to like the Tonics tea cake, I think, um, enough. So I'd probably get him a box of them and send him up the road with that. Hopefully put a smile on his face. David, final Partridge Thistle answer of 2023. I, I was interested in hearing the other two because I, I kind of went all like, I think that like for, for someone like Bannigan, because they are so limited and you kind of know what they do like, you can just go route one and buy them what they like, and then that, they'll be like, "Oh, great, thank you very much." I, the, the, my my issue is the opposite end of the spectrum. Similar like Tommy Adderley, where you don't know who he is, but Wes McDonald, who is he? What does he do? If we don't know, we we never see him. Like he's, he's 
Um, I think if you if you pulled out Wes McDonald, what can you tell me about Wes McDonald? What would you buy him? Secret Santa. Exactly, exactly. You don't know because like we, we've not seen much of him. Um, or maybe uh, uh, McKinley, uh, the Motherwell one. Uh, maybe someone like that, just someone who doesn't play, you never see. Like what? What do you get them? You, you just don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be going down that route of I really wouldn't want one of these people because I, I just don't know, know absolutely nothing. At least if you know somebody a bit more, you can kind of play it safe and. You know, there's usually an in joke or you know something you know they really like or whatever you can get, and it may not be the most um, elaborate of presents or whatever, but it does a job. You know, it, it, it's route one. So yeah, but oh, where's McDonald's? Do you mind those uh, balls on a string, like footballs on a string, that sort of went a bit <laughs> crazy at the start of lockdown for people trying to keep fit? You could get them one of them, like so they sort of remember what it's like to kick a ball again. Anyone get anything they want to add to the last weekly record of 23 before we finish? I think Hera wanted to say something. Yeah, I do, thank you. Um, it was just to say that this Saturday, um, the club and the players are going to be um, openly supporting the That Guy campaign, and we talked about it on the pod last week. Um, her game too. Um, Kirsten and I really, really enjoyed getting to know um, the people who work at that guy and um, they're they're really they're really lovely and I think it's a really really important um, campaign to be part of I think it's great that our club are so open to new initiatives and I just really encourage everyone to be interested in what's happening um, and they should and, and just to celebrate and support the players and um, and the different media that comes out over the next few days about it and it's just you know the main thing is about ensuring that football is a place for all but also um just calling out that friend for um the, the the comments that they make and thinking about how it makes other people feel and making sure it's a comfortable environment and um and just don't be that guy so yeah i'm really really excited for that and thank you for letting me talk about it thanks very much Ella. uh hopefully david can edit that before we talk about secret santa so it doesn't sound like we've just touched it at the end um Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. It was the last weekly recording of 2023, but we will be back with a couple of specials before we record again. So keep your eyes peeled for them. In the meantime, stay safe and have a very Merry Christmas.